Amen. Amen? All right. Praise God. All right. Well, a couple of things I do want to say before we get started is, as you know, we have a, a very giving and loving church. I want to thank you for your gifts these uh, past few months, especially to, through these uh, difficult times that we've had, uh, in, not us in general as a church, but as a community, as a state, and as a nation. You have been faithful in your giving, and I believe that God has blessed you in return in such mighty ways. If nothing else, God has blessed you in, in knowing that uh, you are participating in the work of the kingdom. And uh, just continue to do so through our app, if you'd like, or in person, or you can mail it in, or uh, people have even come by and dropped it off uh, because we're still afraid of what's going on in the community. But I want to thank you for participating as best you can and as often as you can. Keep us in prayer. Send us notes. Let us know you're listening. Uh, and I get letters and emails from time to time. A call would be nice because, you know, I love you. And I believe, well, I hope you love me too. <laughs> I, I do. I know so. I shouldn't say I believe. I know so. But um, I want to thank you once again for that. Uh, and, and with that, I do want to, I want to ask you to join me in a very uh, specific pastoral prayer of not just for our church and our community. Uh, it just doesn't seem to end. It just, it just, just see, doesn't seem to end. The unrest that we have in the United States, not only with the, uh, the COVID, not only with the political spectrum that we have, but we also have, uh, I don't, I'm sure you heard of that storm that passed through central northern uh, United States. It was called the derecho, and it just devastated a lot of crops and places and that uh, they just, a lot of people don't even, some people don't even know. And then we had uh, Hurricane Laura this last week that has uh, upset the communities of Texas and Louisiana. Uh, you know, and, and so everybody's wondering what's going on. Well, I can tell you that, that God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. And I believe that he's already gotten your attention. And so what we need to do is continue to pray. We need to seek his face in his place. We started from the very beginning stating that that's what we're going to do. Yes. And, uh, and I appreciate for those that uh, have joined us and uh, continue to join us, especially online. But uh, with that said, I'm going to just pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And uh, just right there where you're at, uh, just bow your heads and, and lift up the prayer concerns and petitions that you may have uh, in your surroundings, in your homes. Uh, lift up the prayer petitions even now as I'm speaking and Lord, we know that it's not the words that we say, but it's the heart that you see. It's the pulse that flows through our vein, the, the things within our mind that occupy our time and our space. It's those things, God, that, that you see. And I pray that right now that each one here, within the sound of my voice, that we can all just center down upon you, Lord, and, and know and acknowledge that you are the core. You are the, on the throne of our heart, even now. The words that we try to muster up to, to give to you, uh, if I had words that fell like rain, Lord, it still wouldn't be enough. If I had a million years to try to explain the love and the profundity of your love to us and to me, we, we, would, give, we would not be able to do so, Lord. And we ask God right now that you just listen to our hearts in the, in the space and the place where we're at right now. The loved ones within our communities, within our families that are ill, that have gotten sick, that have fallen down, that are trying to get back up. For those within this city that, that seem to be hurt and, and all the things that are going on within their minds. Lord, I know that there's a huge delusion going on in this country, in this world. And we know that it's the lawless one that's creating this lawlessness throughout the land. And we understand, God, that your word has already prophesied and has said to us, what is to take place? So we need to stand together in love. We need to stand together in confidence. We need to stand together boldly and proclaim who you are, knowing that you are still on the throne. We understand, Lord, we know that there is no political system that has any bearing on your kingdom. Your kingdom is what stands apart anything else on this planet in the whole universe. And it is your kingdom that we will proclaim. It is your kingdom that we will look to. It is your kingdom that we ask that it come upon this planet soon and very soon. And so, Father, we just thank you for, for being so good. And I pray for those that have been damaged by the storms that we've had uh, just in the recent days through Hurricane Laura. We pray for the families that have been affected, the churches that, are, that were already down. And God, I just pray that you lift them up. We know that the church always 
always rises in the times of trouble, in times of persecution. And I pray that you continue to bless each pastor, each leader, each member of a church that is connected, Lord, and you just help them to get even more so connected. And I pray for those in the northern part of the United States as well. And, and you be with them as they've experienced this loss and the pain and the suffering, God, and just all the people that are coming together because of who you are. They're giving of themselves, of their life, of their love. And I pray, God, that you just build them even stronger. And Lord, we do pray for a rest within this time. We seek your face. We know that when we humble ourselves, that you will heal this land. And we ask you, God, that you just intercede in such a powerful way through our spiritual leaders, through our political leaders, that you intercede in such a way through every person that has called themselves redeemed and proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord. And Father, as best as we know how, right here in this place, in this small portion of the world, we want to proclaim your name loudly and boldly. And we want to submit ourselves and humble ourselves to you in obedience to your word. And so to love one another and encourage one another. And so Lord, help us to, to show that and encourage one another. Help us to live that while we encourage one another. Thank you, God, once again for visiting with us and, and uh, just continue to be with us as we share your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen and amen. Let me ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to ask you to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm going to have you go back a little bit. If you remember last week, we talked about how this portion of Scripture, the temple of the living God, where Paul basically says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And as we were talking about that last week, I, I started off by saying it's, it's kind of odd that this portion of Scripture is right where it's at. It doesn't necessarily flow, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, it, it seems to flow with the previous verses of chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And, and I kind of went over that a little bit, and I saved it more for today, because that portion of Scripture, people say, well, it might have just fallen in there, somebody just inserted it in there. There's all kinds of debates and reasonings. And, and my, my, uh, <laughs> my response is, that's just the way God wanted it. Okay, just that's, that's what he wanted us to know. He wanted us to, to have this love for one another. He wanted us to be encouraging to one another. He was loving the church, even though the church wasn't loving him back. He was so loving the church, and he gave his life for the church. And in spite of all that, there were people within the congregation that were talking about Paul, against Paul. They were, they were rising up against him, and, and there was so much disharmony that he took care of that in 1 Corinthians. And we talked about the divisions and the lawsuits and the sexual immorality and, and just the, the abuse and, and the misuse of spiritual gifts and the Lord's table. And, and he just told them, get your act together. He loved this church. And, and he poured out his love, and unfortunately... He did not receive that love in return. And so he's telling them, and I'm going to start in verse 11, and 12, uh, 11 12, and 13. Then I'm going to jump to chapter 7, verses 2, all the way up to the end of verse 7. And it reads like this. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affection. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Make room in your hearts for us, we have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all our afflictions. I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without, the, with, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me. So I rejoiced still more. Father in heaven, help us to hear the heart of a pastor that loves his congregation. In, in the middle, in, in spite of all the abuse and misuse of this church and their spiritual gifts and their spiritual leaders, Paul 
loved this church. And I pray, Father, that we can learn how to encourage one another and to be able to love one another through this message that Paul has given to us. So, Father, thank you once again. As you lead us in all things, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen Amen. and amen. You may be seated. I'm not going to go back into what we talked about last week. And like I said, it's put right there in the middle. And and Paul is talking about uh, not uniting with unbelievers, bottom line. And he's, he's talking mainly to the church, that the church itself not unite with the worldly people, with the things that are going on within the community. You cannot have two people going in the same direction that are diametrically opposed. Yet there are churches that gather with other groups to try to get the goal done. They says, you know, it doesn't matter how we do it because it's the goal, that's, it's the intended goal that matters. And that's gotten our churches in so much trouble. The pragmatism of the, the desire of wanting to work together with other groups that aren't, as, that aren't spiritual at all. And as I mentioned last week, if you were to ask anybody and they would Google it, how many religions are there in the world, somebody would come up with the number of, there's over 4,300 religions, is what Google would say, with 12 dominant religions of them all. But the Bible always talks about two. Just There's the, the, the wide road, and then there's the narrow road. There's the wide gate, and then there's the narrow gate. There's the good fruit, and then there's the bad fruit. There's goats and sheep. That's all there is. There's God and there's Satan. And everything else falls under the, those 4,800, 4,300 other religions fall under the dominion of Satan. And so we have to look at and see how, why is it that, why is it was God was telling us not to be unequally yoked? It was because they're going in a whole different direction. Everything might look good. Yeah. Everything might be pointing in the right direction. Yeah. But we serve the living God. But, but right, right, right in the middle of all this discussion that Paul is having, he says, you know, I, I love you guys. And I believe one of the most rewarding parts of being a pastor is being a part of a family. Being, that you are the most rewarding part of being a pastor. I have cried with people. I have rejoiced with people in, in marriages and celebrations of anniversaries. I get invited to birthday parties and, and get to pray over the, the little ones, the loved ones, and, and the older ones. And we've been able to dedicate homes and, and also to baptize here or in the lakes or in the rivers or in the ocean. It's always been a joyous and rewarding event. One of the greatest and rewarding events is being a part of a church, being a part of a family that sincerely loves and desires your affection and attention, walking with people during the darkest times of their life of a lost loved one, of a home being burned, or uh, a child, and, and not knowing what to say, and knowing that you're not even qualified to even try to psychoanalyze the whole situation, and yet, at the end of it all, they always come back and they say, thank you for being there. One of the greatest rewards of being a pastor is being a part of the family. One of the most discouraging parts of being a pastor is being a part of the family. <laughs> it is. A lot of infighting, backbiting, bickering. You know, one of the hardest parts is to, to get to know and to love you and you know me. And, and then because of something that came up, either something I said or somebody else said, people leave. There's division and dissension within the church. And we've had a lot of that within this church. At the very beginning, it was just the church full of a lot of anger. People were angry, and all I wanted to do was love people, and I'd expose myself to them, and, and sometimes people would take that and use it for their own gain. Well, you said this, and you did that, but, but brother, let's, let's work together. I'm not perfect. You're definitely not perfect. I know that. I never said that. But one of, the, one of the most discouraging parts of being a pastor is being part of a family. We have, I have loved people. We have loved people. They have loved us. And yet, in return, it just seems like people walk away and just get mad. And not always for theological differences, though we've had some theological differences. Very few. But even then, okay, that's, that's good. And, and being close to people, it's kind of like what happens to those that divorce and move on and, and say, you know, I just, I don't want to, I never want to fall in love again. And to some extent, after 25 years of ministry, you know, I, I, I was there, 
but I, I cannot be there. If I was there and I stayed there, I wouldn't be here right now. I really wouldn't. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, it's, I don't mean this in a bad way, it's really not about you. <laughs> it's about him. And I want you to know that it's about him. And if we together can get that within our life and understand that it's about Jesus, if we can do that together, let's go. Yes, you'll find the closer you get to me, you'll see the chink in the armor. You'll see the things that don't line up with some of the things that I might say. And I might do the same thing with you. But, you know, those are the things that we have to work on. I, I, I want us to, to love and to live and to grow together. And, and in spite of how some pastors might feel that they have been uh, relentless in their ridicule and, and relentless in their attacks against that pastor, in spite of what any pastor might say, Nobody was more ridiculed and they weren't more vicious and relentless in these unjust attacks than Paul himself. And the, the reason he's writing the second letter is he says, look, guys, you know me. I love you. There's, there's a lot that I've shared and exposed to you. I've done all the, I left everything behind. I, I, I had a good life. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was top in my class. I, I've, I had everybody doing what I said. And now I'm hunted as an animal. And I have, I, I have suffered in, in the wilderness and, and near death and even dying. I have suffered disease. I have suffered beatings. I have suffered whippings and lashings and imprisonment. But the one thing that hurt Paul the most, the one thing that hurt him the most of all things was the words that were coming out of genuine believers or so Christians, the beloved and Paul is exposing his heart in this book. He's exposing his life. He's exposing his heart. I love you guys. Yeah. And, and I want us to grow together. I want you to get rid of those Judaizers, is what we call them. People that were legalists and saying, well, you know, now that they're Christians, they got to be Jews as well. They got to follow the law. And Paul says, no, we've already dealt with that. Yeah. He was dealing with people that were bringing in outside religions and trying to infiltrate it within the church. We're all going in the same direction. No, you're not. And Paul's heart was hurt. And he loved this group, and he never gave up on them. We know this because we know that he wrote at least four letters to the church in Corinth. And it might have been more. He ministered to them even longer than anyone else. And he was deeply concerned and he defended his integrity against the, the backlash that was coming against him. Not for his sake, but for their sake. Look, if I'm a fake, if I'm a false apostle, if I'm a false prophet, then that means everything that you've learned from me is worthless. So I, I, I want to defend what it is that I've been saying and what I've been doing. And, the, you know, these false accusations against Paul were charges that really had no affection upon or any type of effect on him. But it had an effect on the church. And the church was hurting. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we, we study this. He says, For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart, with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. That's the letter that he sent with Titus. That's the letter that is not in our canon. That's the letter that Paul was waiting for a response from. Titus was in, and we were in chapter two, we talked about this. Titus had gone, he says, come right back, and, and he, he tarried. It took him a long time to get back, and Paul was saying, what happened? I mean, did they beat him up? Did they run him out of the city? What happened? Well, you know, he's not here. He went to Macedonia. It was in Macedonia waiting for him. He went to Troas, and he, he had an opportunity to do ministry in Troas, but he was so just burdened by the fact that he hadn't heard from Titus. And he's telling us in chapter 2, he says, you know, there was this opportunity for ministry, but I just couldn't get it done because he was so concerned for Corinth. And he says, I wrote you out, and it hurt me to say this. It really hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And, he, and later on in chapter 11, he says, why? and why? Because I do not love you? If God knows I do. I didn't say and do all these things because I don't love you. And when we get to chapter 11, we'll explain a little bit more of that. But Paul says, I do love you. God knows this. And then in verse 12, he says, I will mostly gladly spend, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls if I love you more I am to be loved less. I don't love you so you can love me. I don't do this for my attention. I don't do this because I want the accolades. Paul says, 
I just want to expend myself. I want to just wait, just spend my whole life here and do what it is that God's called me to do. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, number one, I just want to share this with you. This is going to be quick. He says, number one, if you want to learn how to love and encourage people, and if you want to know how Paul did it, what he did, he says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Paul says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. He says, I, people, I'm talking to you. I've spoken freely to you. I know it hurt. I know the words that I gave you, but they were for your own good. Paul was so bold in pointing out sin. He was so bold in pointing things out. What has happened in our church is times when we've pointed that out, people get mad. People get upset. They walk away. Or who are you to judge? Shake that head around. Who are you to judge? Thou shall not judge, as we talked about last week. Everybody knows that verse, right? The whole world knows that verse. They know, where's it at? Well, it's in there somewhere. You know, you get last week's message. We talked quite a bit about that. I have spoken for thee. Our heart is wide open. I am exposed. I am wide open. I am open to you. You know me. And I love you. And you know this. As a matter of fact, when we speak the truth in love, we should do it because Paul even said to the people in Ephesus, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ Jesus. I don't want you to be like me. I'm not telling you not to do that to do, like I don't. You see, I don't do those things. I don't, that's not what Paul is saying. You need to grow up and to be like Christ Jesus. Don't follow to be like your pastor, like the church. We're leading you to follow to be like Jesus Christ. Our heart is wide open. Our, our heart is enlarged. Our heart is just, you know, it, it just wants to be, to give that love. Somebody once said that, that he says that the heart makes all things, that heat, excuse me, that heat makes all things expand. And the warmth of love will always expand a person's heart. You ever meet people with a lot of love? I know some of you have that love. And it just doesn't matter how much love you give. It's just, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been asked, who do you love the most? How do you divide your love between all your kids? How do you divide your love between all your grandchildren? No, 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 you got this wrong. You don't divide it. You multiply it. And it multiplies. And it continues to multiply. Bring me more grandkids. That's for another word. I'll stop there. It's interesting the way Paul, uh, excuse me, it's interesting the way the King James Version translates that last part of it. He says, um, where he says, uh, I, I, but you are restricted in your own affections. In the King James Version, it says, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now, you have a different picture of a different idea of what bowels mean than what the Bible is trying to get across. The word splachma, and it's a very difficult word to say, splachma, you got to kind of guttural it out. It, it literally means the upper internal organs, the heart, the liver, the lungs, where, where it hurts the most when things just seem to right inside of there and you're all, and you're bent over. And Paul is saying, you're not allowing that to come out. It's the seat of love in the heart, which after all is, is just a physical organ. You know, you know it's not really has that, that emotion, but in English, it's more like the, the natural use that we use for our heart. It's the center of what a person is. And he says, you are straightened out. Or like the NIV says that we are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. I'm, I'm trying to get it from way down here, and you're just giving me this superficial... I don't know, Paul. You know, I heard, and I thought, and, and I believe. The moment anybody starts with, I think, well, what does the Bible say? And Paul is saying, you're not even reaching deep down and, and allowing yourself to be as, as exposed. He says in, in chapters, we are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding your affection from us. And this is what Paul says, when you speak the truth, speak the truth in love. Let me know what you feel. Well, you know, I, I, I really, I don't want to hurt your feelings. So therefore, everything is good. Everything is great. Don't, don't worry about it, Paul. You're all, everything is all good. And all right, the pastor says, well, okay, well, we'll talk to you again some other time. Do you know what the pastor did? And that's where the truth starts coming out. Did you, you hear what he said? We need to pray for our pastor. Why? Well, let me tell you. We start these prayer meetings and talking about them. Pastors, well, what's going on? Oh, nothing. Everything's fine. 
No big deal. That's hypocrisy, church. And not only in, within the church, and this is what Paul's talking, he's talking about this within the church. When he says to love one another, and we'll talk about 1 Corinthians 13 here in just a little bit, but the love that he's talking about is, is not necessarily for husband and wife, though it's, that's where it's needed as well. But every time that Paul talks about love, he's, well, most of the time, he's talking about love within the church, within one another. That's the type of love that he's talking about. That's the type of love that he expects for us to do. Number two, respond to one another in love. Respond to one another in love. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. He wasn't trying to diminish them. He wasn't trying to make them feel less or small or immature, though they were. But he was saying, you know, be like kids. Widen your hearts also. Make room in your hearts for us. You're making room for everything else in this world. Everything else seems to be combating against the words of God that I'm trying to share with you. Yet you have Twitter, you have Facebook, you have YouTube, you have Amazon, you have Netflix, you have, well, they didn't, but, you know, you have everything else in the world just clamoring for your attention. Make room for us. We want to love. We want, and right now during this pandemic, and I use that word loosely. During this pandemic, it just seems like more and more people are getting separated from the church, from the love and the bond that needs to happen even more and more. So we have to make this more intentional. It's got to be more intentional to reach out, to love, to encourage, to, to just to do what we can to keep people hooked together, to keep people going in that same direction. Number three, you know, to encourage others in love, I need to express your actions in love. Express your actions in love. Paul says, we have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. You know, what Paul says, every time that I've done ministry, I don't take anything from you. I want to give. I don't try to corrupt you. I want to try to correct you. I don't want to try to wrong you. I want to try to get you on the right path. I want, us to, to, I want us to grow together. I want you to see what God has shown me. It's very interesting that a lot of these uh, verses that I'm, I'm going over again, a lot of these chapters and books as I continue to read through Scripture on a daily basis and trying to get through it in a year and having re- reading it is different. You know, uh, reading it, excuse me, reading it for your devotional is one thing. And read the Bible through a year. You know, I've done that before. But to be able to actually read it out loud. It's a little different because those words that are in the Old Testament that I would kind of like just kind of stumble right through, uh, Melchizedek or Melchizedek or whatever, you know, those, those words. You know, some, and now as you're reading it to be recorded, it's a little difficult. It's a little harder, but I've been finding a lot of pleasure out of it. If you haven't followed through with our reading, uh, please do so. It's on, you'll find it on SoundCloud. Every day there's a verse that we read for the day. But it's, it's what Paul is saying, what I'm trying to share with you is not what I want you to know. I want you to know what God has showed me. And as I'm reading through the scriptures, and, and as I'm going back over them in the original languages, it just opens up a little bit more. It, it, it show, God shows me just a little bit. I want to share everything with you. I want to be able to just, let me share all the Greek that I learned this last week. Because it has just the nuances of Paul and what he's saying. It just, let me stop. <laughs> Paul says, I, 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 want, I want to express my love in, in action. I, I want to be able to show you, I've not wronged you. I've not cor- corrupted you. I've not taken advantage of you. And Paul says, I haven't. And when you try to encourage other people, you do it not for your benefit. You do it for their benefit. Not for what you can receive but what, what they can receive. See, a lot of times our motives are not as altruistic as we make them, th- make them seem. We're not trying to do it really just because we want to. And, and, and sometimes it's just because I want to get a, a huge round of applause or an attaboy or thank you. Uh, you know, thanks for being here. And, and if I can get so, at least a smile or a thank you or a thank you card, oh, look, and tell everybody what I did, that, to some people, is pride and arrogance. No, it's best to do things behind the scenes. 
it's best to do, it's best to be able to show uh, not the left hand know what the right hand is doing. It's best to be able just to love when you can and do so. And, and, and whenever you're helping out, see, this is the way it happens nowadays. You know, people today, they go out and they help out. You know, hey, I, I, I got this, this plate that I got for you, I, and I, I just seriously want to give it to you. And, oh, yeah, wait a minute, hold on. Okay, here. Oh, here. <laughs> and they post it on Facebook, and see what I did? Express your, like, wrong no one, and corrupt no one, take advantage no one. Paul says, and... Excuse me, John says in 1 John 3.18, I don't think this is in your outline, he says, Little children, let not love, let's not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Paul talks about, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. What Paul is talking about here, he says, love is an action. Love is not an emotion. Our world has perverted the word love and turned it into lust and turned it into desire and turned it into want. And what can I get? I, I, I love you. I really do. Because I know what I'm going to get out of this. And I, I love you to the, to the bottom of my heart. And what Paul is saying, what God says, and the word agapathe is the word that says it's unconditional. I love. It's unconditional. I love. Just like God does. He says, you don't do it because. See, love is action. Love is something that you do selfless. It's not selfish. It's selfless. And we went through this in 1 Corinthians 13. We talked about this for, I think, almost two weeks, three weeks, I think we went through this. Because love is not, and Paul is talking about loving within the church. We use 1 Corinthians 13 in marriages, and we use it in marriage counseling, and we, we talk about how that, and, and it's good, but that wasn't an intended purpose. The purpose was to show what love is within the church. And beloved, if we can get love within the church, and when two people come together and get married, they'll already have the idea, well, we do this in church already. We should, we should do this within our life, right? He says, yeah, well, of course you should. But you've already learned that. You've lived it. It's been modeled to you within the church because it's being expressed in action. Express your love in action. Always. That's what Paul was trying to get here. We have wronged no one. Everything we've done was for your benefit. I'm not, I don't want anything. I don't desire anything. All I want for you is to love me back. Just, just, you know, my heart is wide open. I can't believe that you guys aren't even accepting that. Love me back. Number four, commit to one another in love. Commit to one another in love. In verse three, he says, I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. When you commit to somebody, till death do us part is what we say within a marriage. What Paul says within the church is you need to commit for you. I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to give my life for you. And Paul had this expression that he would, I, I will die for you, and I will we'll die together, and we will live together. But not only to Corinth, to the church in Philippi, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Rome. That was his mantra. That was, I love God's people. And as he went, he talked about this love that he was willing to die for. And if you know the story, ultimately, he was beheaded in Rome, as tradition has it. We don't have that in Scripture, but his life was abruptly, and he was willing to die. He says, I'm willing to go. While I'm here in prison for two years, I'll preach the gospel. People got saved. People came in and visited him. They got saved. They shared the gospel. Paul never made it to Rome on his own volition. He was taken there, but his goal was always to get to Rome and actually get further into Spain and other places. But Rome is where his life ended. And Rome is where the church exploded. And that's how we today have the gospel. See, we need to give our life for one another. And, and I'm, I know I'm asking you a huge, huge endeavor. This is something that is... You want me to die for my, you know, I don't even know them, and I just met them this last week. I, yeah, that's, that's what Paul is saying. Commit to a church, stay there, and be willing to die for one another. 
See, this is, what, um, this is, this is what, what Jesus said. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. As a matter of fact, in 1 John 3.16, which is a, another rendition of John 3.16, but he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And this is how we know love. And this is how the world knows who you are. This is how the world knows who, what kind of a disciple you are. And in, in, again, I don't think these verses are in your outline. John 13, verses 34 and 35, it says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. A new commandment. Says, love one another. Well, we love one another. No, no, no. You need to learn how to love one another. Well, we do love one another, Jesus. I mean, we've been hanging out for three years now. You're not getting what I'm saying you got to be willing to lay down your life for your brother. That you love one another just as I have loved you. And you'll see that expression of love tomorrow. You'll see that expression of love through the Sabbath. You'll see that expression of love on Resurrection Sunday. This is the type of love you are to have for each other. That you lay down your life. And see, just as I have loved you, so also you are to love one another. And then he goes on to say, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, there's coming a time, if, if it hasn't really happened yet, you're seeing parts of it even now, there's coming a time when that verse is going to put, be put into action. It's going to be put into play. You're going to have to do something with that. You're going to have to do something with that. There's going to come a point where, where you're going to be pushed to, to make a decision, to make some sort of, am I going to lay down my life for the cause of Christ, for my brother? Am I going to really do that? Am I, am I really going to do that? And this is what the Bible has talked about. This is what God has been showing us, that this is the commandment that he gave us. Love one another with brotherly affection. And outdo one another in showing honor to one another. Yeah. And it's that brotherly affection. It's that life-giving that Paul says, I'm willing to live and I'm willing to die for you. Are you willing to do the same thing? Number five, react to one another in love. React to one another in love. In verse 4, he says, I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in, our, in all our afflictions. I am overflowing with joy. Acting with great boldness, I have great pride. That equals great comfort and great joy. Boldness and pride. He, he's not this arrogant pride. He is watching and seeing as a proud father, especially when he, re when he receives this report from Titus that we'll see here, here in just a little bit. This report from Titus and, and how, he was, how they were just zealous for Paul. We love Paul. We love you, Paul. Just let him know that. We miss him. We want to see him. Well, then get away from all that stuff that you're going through. Get away from all those people that are trying to drag you down. He says, I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you, and I am filled with comfort in all our affliction. I am overwhelming with joy. And this is, again, going back to what uh, Paul said to the people in Thessalonica, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. React to one another in love. In love and love only. Number six, resolve to comfort one another. Resolve to comfort one another. Resolve. Just settle it. Put it within yourself. You know, I, I've got to learn how to comfort one another in love. How do I do that? I mentioned a little bit ago, you know, some people <clears throat> unwittingly, uh, you know, and I, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, because they're not thinking or it's just, it's, you know, we just sometimes don't know how to respond to situations where people are hurting. We say things like, if a person passes away, like, well, at least they're in a better place. Uh, one friend of mine says, um, you know, <laughs> The, be the best place for my husband is right here. Why you think that a better place for him is over there, I don't know. But the best place for my husband is right here. One person told me, he said, you know, and, and I said this, well, you know, God wanted another angel. How many angels does he need? 
You know how many how many angels does he have? Why does he want my angel? You know, and I got to admit, this is at the beginning of my ministry. I'm thinking, okay, you know, what do I say? You know, what do I do? And it was one of my professors when I, we were talking about this in class, and I says, you know, and he's, and he's the wise professor, Sam Simmons, Dr. Sam Simmons, he says to me, he says, you know, the best thing to say, you want, you want, to, do, you want to know what the best thing to do? I says, yeah, what is it? Just, just shut up. <laughs> just shut up. I go, what do you mean just shut Just be there. If they ask you questions, it's okay to say, I don't know. Why did this happen? You know, I, I really don't know. It's okay. And a lot of times it's just a matter of being there. Just be right now, we need people to be there. Right now, that people aren't coming to the church, we need for the church to be there. To be there with a phone call, a letter, a, a card. And, and I, I try calling as many people as possible, and, and, and they get so encouraged, and people are just so full of joy and happy that, that I've called them. But church, they need you to call them too. I'll give you a list of people that you can call. And I want you to know, church, if you're listening to us online right now, we do miss you. We love you. And, and we want you to know that. And, and we're going to mobilize a team of people just to continue to call and let you know that we're here for you. And as soon as this thing is all over, I pray that you guys are back. Comfort one another in love, especially now. Comfort one another. What are we going to do? How are we going to do that? Well, I, there's all kinds of ways that we can do that. I mean, we can send letters. We can send gifts. We can go for groceries for someone. I mean, that's good that we have uh, the, I don't even know what they call it, where you can call online or, and they bring it to you, shopping by phone. Or, I mean, it's great that that's there. But there needs to be something that the church can do. And we need to follow through with that. Resolve to comfort one another. Paul says, for even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. Yeah, Paul was working tirelessly. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who com comforts the downcasts, comforted us by, coming, by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. What people kind of pass over right here is that, in the second part of that, that verse, but God who comforts the downcast. Some people, didn't, some people don't realize that Paul was really downcast. He was discouraged. He was to the point of depression. He, was, he had this nail-biting situation going on. What's going on with Titus? As we talked about in chapter 2, and I mentioned to you when we get to chapter 7, we'll find out that he did finally show up. But in chapter 2, and uh, he's telling them, he says, you know, I sent this letter. I haven't heard from Titus. I'm waiting for him. I go to Macedonia. I go to Troas. I'm waiting. And I could have ministered, but I didn't. And, and he was just worried, sick, that what he had written was going to damage this church. But true to his form, he spoke the truth in love. And sometimes church... That has to be done. It's what we call tough love. And unfortunately for many pastors, including myself, it's kind of hard to do. I'm not, I'm not a confrontational type of person. It's hard to do. I'm not a confrontational type of person, and I don't, I don't, I don't like doing that. And, and one of the biggest, well, I shouldn't say one of the biggest reasons, one reason that happens is because you know, if, if I say something, they get mad, they're going to leave. And, you know, our church is small already as it is. And, and you know what? They left anyways. They left anyways. Resolve to comfort one another in love. And if it needs to be a difficult word, let it be. And I've learned. I'm learning. I'll still love you. Paul, uh, excuse me, Psalms 119, verse 76 which I don't, I don't know if it's in your outlines or not, but he says, let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. How am I able to comfort others? Well, by the comfort that God has given us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, praise God, the God of all comfort, the Father of all compassion, who comforts us during our tribulations so that we in turn can comfort others. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. Many times the things that you go through in life, many times the things that you're experiencing, it's really not about you. If you think about how you've been able to use your life experiences to help other people, that was the intended goal. God is not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. 
He's not disappointed. He's, he's wanting to correct you and discipline you and get you going in the right direction so that when you get settled and when you're able to stand, you can help somebody else, Man. comfort others. Now, I'm going to conclude by asking you to turn to Philippians chapter 2 with me. In Philippians chapter 2, you got part of the verse there, but I was looking at this and I says, you know, we almost have to read the whole chapter, which I'm not. But, uh, but in Philippians chapter 2, it's just a little bit past 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, about three, four books over. <clears throat> and Paul says this. He says, so, <clears throat> if, there is any re- if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Our problem is that we think we're the most important person in the room. Our problem is is that, you know, no, it's, it's me. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. Verse four, let each of you Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Again, a problem we have in our self-centered society. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he, he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In this book when we get there and just to give you a heads up this is what they call the kenosis theology the kenosis is emptying himself of where he was completely god yet he emptied himself he limited himself to be man not to have everything that god had though he was god as paul says i'll go back here again who though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant you know, a lot of times, we don't want to take that servant role. We don't want that servanthood attitude. We want to be served. Man. Jesus himself even said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. And every time that we talk about Christianity, and see, this is the one thing that is not very popular with Christianity. Christianity says, you got to die, where all of the religions says, no, no, you got to live. Christianity says, you got to give. No, no, you got to take. You got to ask God to give you. Christianity says, you know, you got to be last. Everybody else says, no, no, you need to be first. There's this paradox with Christianity that most people don't want to be. I don't want a part of that. I got to die. I got to be last. I got to give. I got to, what else do you want me to do? <laughs> oh, I also want you to love those that are, are unlovable. Jeez, I'm out of here. Christianity is not, it shouldn't be popular by its own definition, really. When we try to make Christianity popular, what we've done has been populated by this culture. And this culture, we know, has nothing to do with what the Bible says. It should be offensive. I don't mean you go out there and try to offend everybody as much as you can, but we should not be in conjunction with the world. Let me finish this off. Uh, Go back to verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And he starts, off by, he starts off by saying, have this same mind. Have this same attitude. Have, be like Jesus Christ. People say, are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> you want me to do that? And until we learn how to do that, we cannot learn how to love and encourage others. Because it's about me. It's about us. We have a culture that needs to hear this. And, and, and everybody wants to make it about themselves. And here's the really cool thing about this whole thing. When you give, and like I said, as you open up your heart, as it warms up, it just seems to open up even more so. It expands. The more love that you have. And in Christianity, what Jesus Christ did for us, he caused us to love. He causes us to give. And the more you give, it seems like the more you receive. 
The things that you're looking for, the things that you desire and want are given to you, not because you're calling for them or desiring them or wanting them or causing them to happen. It's just a byproduct of the joy that Paul says, make my joy complete. Just make it complete. Make my joy so complete by doing this. Die. Die to yourself. And give of yourself. And this is how we encourage in love. One another in love. This is agape love. It's not this Hollywood love. It's not this worldly love. It's a love that only God can give to you. You can't muster it up on yourself. You can't make it happen. It comes straight from God. Let me ask you to stand. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful that my Savior would love me, a sinner, a sinner just as bad as it can be. He loved me. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Father in heaven, thank you once again for showing us how to love, teaching us how to love. There are many things, Lord, that we need to do. Many checks in our life that we have to walk through and, and look at. And we thank you, God, that you continue to show us and and expound that in the Word. And as we will learn next week, Paul was worried about how this was going to grieve the people in Corinth. And he was concerned, but he's, he was happy that this grieving caused them to repent. And repentance is still part of our vocabulary and still part of our life. Repentance is still something that we need to do, as we will find out next week. Should a Christian repent? Always. I know that we see repentance as one thing that we've done way back when, and now we are believers. But Father, in order to continue to follow you, we have to reevaluate our life. Am I becoming more Christ-like? Am I having the same mind of Christ? Am I willing to love in this capacity? And Father, sometimes it's difficult. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we know that we will be able to continue. And so, Father, I thank you once again. Thank you for this time that you give us. Thank you for how you bless us and how you nourish us through your word. And Lord, I pray that you dismiss us now from this place, but never from your presence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen Amen and amen.